Welcome to Collab Chats. I am your host, Kira Baker. Today, I'm talking with Lindsay Metzger. Lindsay is an incoming doctoral student at Temple University. She earned her BA at the George Washington University and has master's degrees from Ohio State University and the University of Pennsylvania. She's about to complete a graduate certificate in disability studies at Temple University this summer. Her research focuses on mental health and student retention, as well as the intersections of religious institutions, gender, and culture formation. She lives with her partner in South Philadelphia. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome. I never thought really that this project would generate as much attention as it has, and I'm happy to talk about it. I'm really excited to to talk about this project you've been working on. So so your project is uh, centered on experiences in higher education among college students with significant mental health issues. Correct. Yeah. Can can you talk a bit about like the development? Um, I know you developed a survey, just the development of this project and what went into it. Sure. Um, What we were looking at accomplishing, well, first of all, a little background on why I was doing this to begin with. I have, this summer, I finished my graduate certificate in disability studies, and one of the last courses, or the the last course in my case, that everyone takes is fieldwork in disability studies. Thanks to my advisor for the certificate, Kate Fielkowski, I connected with Dr. Mark Salzer, who heads up the collaborative, as everyone Mm -hmm. knows, and he agreed to take me on for a summer internship. We had discussed a couple of different survey-related projects. The one we settled on was rather than speaking with disability resource centers at college campuses, which might have been a little tricky to reach between COVID-19 and just being off-season for colleges being the summer, we decided we were going to come up with a brief survey geared towards students with significant mental mental health issues, which for our purposes were psychosis, mania, and major depression, to talk about their experiences on college campuses, both at Temple and elsewhere. We wanted this to go beyond Philadelphia and really just get an idea of what these students who had had some chat, presumably had had challenging experiences navigating college as they were trying to sort through mental health difficulties. Like what could universities do better? What could faculty and administrators and peers understand about living life with chronic mental health issues? Were they experiencing discrimination? And if so, how did that manifest? What kind, what advice would they give to other college students who face mental health challenges starting off? Like if you're starting in college, you know you deal with some of these issues. How can you navigate school easier? What connections should you make? How can you make them? And just anything else they wanted to tell us. We spent a good few weeks developing the survey, fine-tuning the questions, And in the end, we got 58 responses. That's good. (laughs) So I I think I heard you kind of touch on some of the questions. Mm -hmm. How how did you decide what questions to ask in the survey? You said that it was was a few weeks, and I know there are 
only five questions. How did you decide that these were the important questions to ask? There was a lot of back and forth going on. Had it been a bigger sur survey or more of a research project, we probably would have taken a more intersectional approach, looking at how mental health as it relates to racial concerns on campus, as it relates to queerness or LGBTQ identity, as it deals with class issues. Unfortunately, we had to really narrow it down. Yeah. And the big thing we came away with, or that Mark and I, as we sorted through how we were going to ask this, these questions, is that we kind of grasped that we wanted to get at understanding rather than knowing, if that makes sense. Because I think most people, even with stigma in play, even with minimal knowledge about specifics of life with a, with a mental health diagnosis, I think they understand that, yes, that's going to make, they know that, yes, that's going to make things difficult. Or living with bipolar disorder, living with schizophrenia, living with clinical depression. Yes, we know that is difficult. We know that can make things harder. But it's a different perspective from understanding what students are living, who live with chronic mental health issues kind of deal with as a day-to-day -day thing. And the professors, I think it is very easy for professors or administrators to get frustrated. Many students reported that they felt like their professors thought they were being lazy or were using, oh, I'm hypomanic, I'm having a mixed state. Well, you're making an excuse to get an extension. Mm -hmm. That it was less about knowing that these conditions present challenges and kind of meeting students where they are and understanding what they need, how they can have support on campus, what they need to kind of to be. Um, so one thing you wrote in the, uh, your, as you've been working on your survey introduction, um, this stuck out to me. You wrote, if there is anything that this project has shown me, it is that an ambivalent at best, downright hostile at worst response to a student dealing with significant mental health issues is far from uncommon. Um, that, that it's, it's not too like uplifting to read it. Can you, can you talk about some of the responses that, that you led you to that conclusion? Well, many of the responses from graduate students that I got, because I got responses from both undergraduate and graduate students, show that these departments at the doctoral or master's level are not the most understanding. Mm -hmm. I mean, many of our students reported, keep it quiet, get it under control. You won't be taken as seriously if people know. I mean, there's even somebody from personal experience who I remember taking classes with when I was a graduate student who may well have had accommodations in place, but the difficulties he was having due to his disability, the department wasn't sympathetic and they weren't willing to meet him where he was. Like I mentioned before, like, oh, whatever you have going on, that's not a reason. You aren't going to get, ex that's not an excuse. You aren't going to get extensions in the real world. Or mm -hmm. upper level graduate students being told to keep their mental health situation quiet, lest they not lest they get kicked out of their programs or they don't find a job. What, um, so I want to ask you a bit about, about the responses. Were there sure. 
any, can you share some of the survey responses? Are there any that really just stuck with you, have remained with you? The big thing that comes to mind for me is that so many students were repeating time and time again, don't think of us as lazy. Don't treat us like we're not intelligent. And that felt, that really hit me that so many of these people are bright. They're certainly deserving and they're certainly able to be on college campuses and have the academic capabilities to do the work. But just the way that they're treated really stuck with me, that they're underestimated time and time again because of mental health. There were also a few people that spoke about issues involving race and mental health. The idea that never ever call the police on someone going through a mental health crisis, which I know has been a very big topic here in Philadelphia over the last year, particularly if they are black, they are a person of color, that that could result in very dire consequences and wouldn't result in getting help. And a lot of, uh, they're also, again, repeating, we're not doing this for attention. We are not crazy. And that students need to confront their own internalized stigmas. This really stood out to me as well. Empathy, not judgment, is appreciated. Don't say stupid and inconsiderate belittling things as well. Like, don't be so sad. Just be happy. Why are you so negative? Or I heard you were feeling a little sad, someone with severe depression. So the sort of experiences of kind of microaggressions, mm-hmm. belittling, and, you know, and some overt discrimination. It sounds yeah. Like. This population of students is exceptionally underrepresented. Um, what do I do with my social life? How do I find a job? How kind of uh, my boyfriend or girlfriend from high school broke up with me, that kind of thing. Like all very normal sort of things for college students. Yeah, regular. Life stuff, making kind of, yeah. And I'm not trying to downplay any of those things as being difficult, but you're not hearing from these students. And it's one of those things in disability studies that really sticks to me that you see a lot of advocacy in some, uh, self-advocacy in particular, in some neurodiverse communities. Uh, The autism community is what comes to mind here, where folks are able to say, no, this isn't working. This is what I need. This is what I want. Here's how you can best relate to me, communicate with me, and work with me. And we make the rules, and we tell you what we need. You don't see that among people with lived mental health experience, because there's so much cultural capital, I feel, that people are afraid to give up. Mm, that's as yeah, in that's, your position in school, a career, a relationship. There are things that you would stand to lose by going public. Yeah. And I felt that by making the survey totally anonymous, letting people gave people the freedom to say more and be more open than they would if I was collecting demographic information. And I feel like a lot of times these students they're pushed off campus, they're pushed into medical leaves. Yeah. So, so what were some of the um, takeaways in terms of what could 
the university do, what could administrators do or faculty do to create a more welcoming university environment? I feel like the biggest thing they could do, any university infrastructure would be to start listening to what these students have to say. And to understand that neurodiversity on campus is not going away is going to be something that more and more people are having to deal with openly. Meet these students where they are. And on one hand, to be able to provide them with the support and the accommodation and the understanding that they need, to be able to talk with them about resources or even something that I'm potentially writing about for a university budgets class this coming fall, the idea of using university funding that goes into mental health support to establish the equivalent of what's known in the corporate sector as an employee assistance program or an EAP that could, rather than trying to take on providing mental health care for everything from serious mental illness to I'm homesick and trying to be a one-stop shop where wait lists are going on, people are in crisis, not getting the care they need, serious mental health issues kind of fall by the wayside, that there's an easier way to connect students to help within the community. That kind of thing, I think, would make a huge difference. I was reading through some of the survey responses and and some said, you know, about getting out and connecting with other students, you know, doing things like engaging on campus, you know, that living college life like every college student wants to do, you know, um, is I think, you know, definitely an area that that deserves attention as well. Right. Agreed. Finding find your people for lack of a better way of putting it, like having I mean, at a campus like Temple, which is very big, very diverse, I mean, in a major city, I imagine being able to better navigate activities on campus and off and finding people who you click with, who understand you and accept you. Yeah. And sometimes that can take time if you're neurodiverse or figuring or or knowing more about what kind of groups are on campus for things that any given student might enjoy, whether it's creative and performing arts or Mm -hmm. sports clubs, or if the Greek system is for them, great, go through rock. But yes, there are ways to get involved, ways to be connected. I I would certainly hope that universities were putting resources during this time where everything was shut down into keeping students connected. I know the collaborative had some paperwork on that, how to stay engaged when you're studying remote. Because yeah. I feel like that took a toll on a lot of people's mental health, neurotypical or neurodiverse. Where do you see this going? What's next and, and then what's next? Um, it should be released in September, uh, which is really big. This is technically my first publication if this counts as a publication. Um, which is exciting. I don't know. I mean, I think my big hope for it is that it gets people talking and thinking. When you have people who are talking about, I was kicked off campus because I was struggling with depression or bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, or what have you. And these are conversations we need to be having. 
my goal with this would be to get those conversations started and really have them openly rather than kind of whisper or mm. in private away, like confronting the issues more openly. And the idea that mental health on campus can be something that we can all kind of work toward together. I mean, not so much in the sense that I'm going for a cure narrative, because that's, it overly simplifies it. <laughs> and yes, it's nice to hear, oh, I struggled and now everything's okay. But change the narrative. I had my struggles and now I have to manage them, but I'm still able to go to school. I'm still able to have a social life. I'm still able to have a romantic life if I want one. That kind of thing. All and of the domain. still there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every community participation domain is, is there. Exactly. You can still be engaged. You can still be involved and you don't have to change who you are. Or that you, or the fact that living, having lived experience mental health with mental health, is a part of your narrative, but it's not the whole story. Can I ask you what your most ideal welcoming university environment would look like? Wow, that is a big question. <laughs> I feel like. Hmm. I really think it's an environment, and I know this is maybe pie in the sky or utopian thinking, where mm -hmm. people can be accepted for who they are, for where they are, for where they come from, and not be judged or put in a box. And I know I'm dreaming big <laughs> to say this, but the idea that someone can have a disability or a mental health issue, or just anything in general, or even the idea that you can meet somebody who does not have the same background as you and you're just able to take them at face value, to acknowledge this is who you are, this is your truth, this is your experience, and it's different from mine, but that's totally cool, and we can find points of commonality or learn from each other. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you don't, Colleges pay a lot of lip service to that, and maybe I'm dreaming, but finding ways to bring people together, to set judgments and stereotypes and stigmas aside. I am so excited to see, you know, where this project goes next and also just see what you keep working on. I'm feeling very optimistic, very hopeful. Um, I really just want to see people truly understand there, there are human beings behind diagnoses, behind mm -hmm. symptoms. And maybe rather than speculating on ways to make your university look good in the press or mental health initiatives that only do so much, hear what your students want and need. And that's really what we were hoping for in the end. Start with the students, get them involved. Thank you so much for talking with me and talking about this important work you're doing. You're very welcome. Collab Chats is a knowledge translation activity developed by the Rehabilitation Research and Training Center on Community Living and Participation for Individuals with Serious Mental Illnesses. Funding for this podcast and support for the collaborative comes from the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research. 
The contents of this podcast do not necessarily represent the policies of Nidler, ACL, HHS, and you should not assume endorsement by the U.S. federal government. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to discuss it with us, email us at tucollab at temple.edu. To learn more about the work that we do, visit our website at tucollaborative.org or find us on Facebook at Temple University Collaborative on Community Inclusion and on Instagram and Twitter at tucollab.